0: How do we attract the next generation of drivers to the trucking industry? Postal reform gets the green light, and autonomous vehicle technology moves forward. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney, I'm the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity, welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Bekoff. Discover intra-logistics automation without limits. Bekoff offers a complete ultra-compact motion control system for automated material handling equipment, including a range of space-saving motor and drive solutions for BLDC, MDR, servo technology, and more. Make your move to better motion control by visiting beckoffcom intralogistics As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham will be along to provide their insights into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, available workers are hard to find everywhere, and it's even more difficult to find workers for industries where they were scarce even before the pandemic, such as truck drivers. So what's being done to attract the next generation of our nation's truckers? To answer that, here's Ben with today's guest. Ben.
1: Thanks, Dave. Yeah, we hear a lot about tight capacity in the supply chain lately, including links like containers backed up at the seaports and warehouses being full of inventory. But a particular supply chain link that's under stress nowadays is the trucking sector, where freight capacity is tighter than it's been in years, making it hard for many retailers and manufacturers to move their goods around the country. One reason for that tight trucking market is a long-term shortage of drivers. And here today to talk about possible approaches or solutions to that issue is our guest, Lindsay Trent, who's the newly named president and co-founder of the Next Generation in Trucking Association. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. Uh, First, congratulations on your new position. And to start off our discussion, For our listeners who may not be familiar with the organization, uh, could you describe what the Next Generation in Trucking Association does and who it represents?
2: Absolutely. So we are a newly formed association and our focus is reaching the next generation and connecting them to trucking careers by creating programs um, at the high school level, but also raising awareness among high school students about trucking careers what they entail, and how they can get connected to them. Um, members of our association are carriers, dealers, truck drivers, diesel technicians, industry professionals, and allied members.
1: Gotcha. So starting in high school, you uh, get them all there early, right? Uh, and that's it, we that's right. Yeah. And we mentioned at the top that uh, the trucking capacity is very tight in the U.S. right now. Uh, could you give us an idea of exactly how challenging those conditions are and are they any worse than usual? really. Or, or, yeah, please. Or, or is it simply you know, part of a cycle? I'm, I know these things go tighter and looser over time.
2: So today the ATA says that we're 80,000 drivers short and um, ATRI puts on a study every year. And for the last seven years, the driver shortage has been the number one issue in the trucking industry. So we see that capacity is tight and it's gonna get worse as the workforce of truck drivers age. And so what we need to do is backfill them with skilled labor and we need to reach the next generation and and that should be our skilled labor. I was listening to Mike Rowe recently and he said out of five skilled tradespeople that retire, Two are only there to fill their place, and so we are looking to create the next generation of trucking professionals to fill the spaces of all of the retirees that are are coming in the next few years.
1: Really interesting, yeah. And and uh, and coincidentally, we've spoken with Mike Rowe at the magazine here before. He has some really enlightening and inspirational messages about those skilled trades and 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 the value of of, of dirty jobs. And as the man says. Uh, so what are some of the uh, underlying reasons and conditions um, that are creating these impacts on the trucking market? I, I know you mentioned um, we, we talked about age here a couple times, uh, starting early with the high school students and, and talking about uh, the, the, the retiring uh, boomers, I guess it is, who are um, moving on to retiring age.
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, lifestyle has been an issue for sure. And a lot of companies are thinking of ways to um, split up routes so drivers aren't away from home as long. Um, with, with the capacity issues, pay has gotten better. Um, so um, the combination of pay and um, better home life um, I think is gonna be good for our industry. Um, but, but one of the big issues is um, young people just aren't sure what trucking is. They don't know how well it pays. And I think we're going to see this generation, Gen Z, they're going to question that model. Do I need to go to college and get student loan debt? Or can I do something else and and start my career right away without going and incurring student loans? And we want them to know that, yes, they can start in our industry right away and um, they don't need student loan debt and they can make a good living. We have high skill, high demand, high wage jobs and we want to connect those them to those. Even if it's a different career path, maybe starting in the warehouse, being a forklift driver and then working up to being a CDL driver when they turn 21. Or there's a lot of other companies too that can hire those drivers under 21 with the intrastate um, rule. Um, or we've got the new FMCSA Safe Driver Apprenticeship Program, where 3,000 drivers under the age of 21 are gonna be able to drive interstate. So there's a lot of really good things going on, but we have to reach this um, next generation and just let them know and educate them about trucking careers. And that's both CDL drivers and diesel technicians. We've got a lot of great careers and you can be a truck driver your entire career, or you can be promoted to so many other things, HR manager, Um, safety manager, you can own your own truck and then your own fleet. So there's a lot of opportunities. We just need to connect these young people to these opportunities.
1: Yeah, really interesting. Um, I mean, people talk about truck drivers, um, you know, as if it's a a, a single uh, job description, but, uh, you know, that's a great point to make about, you know, human resources, safety, uh, the diesel technicians, the forklifts. uh, There are a lot of parts that come in to make the the whole system work. Um, Another thing that we've talked about on the topic um, is that there's recruitment of course that we've been talking about but but also turnover right now you you have to retain uh, the the drivers who are in the possession in the profession
2: yeah that's right and turnover has been um, a big issue one of our partners is job behaviors and we have an assessment that um, assesses whether or not you would be a good fit Um, to be a long-term retained driver in the industry. And we have both delivery driver on our website and long-haul driver. So we are exposing students to these job assessments where they can see if behaviorally, they have what it takes to make a, a good, safe professional driver. And in turn, the people that score high on this assessment are retained longer in the industry. So we hope that that can help with turnover, but we also just have to make conditions better. And I think with technology um, getting better um, and that bet we are going to see a change in in uh, retention.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, really interesting points. Um, and so th- th- as we said, there are a lot of different angles uh, in how all this comes together. Um, it, it, we had spoken a little bit uh, about different stakeholders at, at the top, and know you said the your association you know represents a n- number of different players um and of course, the trucking sector uh, as you mentioned can include you know large fleets and long distance and small owner operators and last mile um, did, do we have uh, do those guys really have to work on cooperating uh, to to make this effort work
2: you know we we decided to create this um, trade association because We felt like there was an industry-wide problem. Um, We've known this problem for years, and we felt like we needed to create an industry-wide solution. And that's why we created the Next Generation Trucking Association. We've got truck drivers and diesel technicians that wanna be mentors and mentor younger drivers. We have carriers that wanna go into their local school and take a truck and present about what the trucking industry entails and the different opportunities that are in your backyard. The good thing about trucking is that it's in big cities, it's in rural communities. So people can get trained and they don't have to leave their area. They can stay in in their local community and make a good living, but have this good job with this high skill and high demand.
1: Great things to keep in mind. Yep, Uh, it it sounds like some really good messages to get out there. Lindsay, we appreciate your spending time with us today and, uh, and, and helping spread the word.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Uh, We've had uh, with us today, our guest uh, was Lindsay Trent from the uh, Next Generation in Trucking Association. Back to you, Dave.
0: Thank you, Lindsay and Ben. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. And to stay on the trucking theme, Victoria, you wrote this week about new developments in autonomous trucking. Can you tell us more?
3: Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, Global CPL, SEVA Logistics, has teamed up with... Uh, Kodiak Robotics to launch autonomous freight deliveries between Dallas-Fort Worth and Austin, Texas, as well as between Dallas and Oklahoma City. The company said the move is a uh, what they call a critical first step in, in what's a longer term goal to integrate Kodiak's autonomous driving technology into Siva's North American fleet. Uh, Siva delivered its first load with Kodiak this past November and is moving goods weekly on the 200-mile freight lane between Dallas, Fort Worth, and Austin. And then the companies expanded their partnership in February, adding another route that runs 200 miles between a Siva facility in Dallas and a delivery point in Oklahoma City. Uh, The companies claim they are doing the first autonomous freight deliveries in the state of Oklahoma, so that's exciting. Um, On both routes, a Kodiak autonomous tractor pulls a SIVA trailer filled with consumer goods. Um, Kodiak operates with a safety driver behind the wheel to oversee the system at all times, which is typical of these um, pilot and test programs. We've reported on a few other similar efforts this year. Just a few weeks ago, CH Robinson and Waymo Via announced an autonomous trucking partnership. Uh, That one involves hauling freight between Dallas and Houston. Um, And there was another big announcement from truckload carrier Knight Swift and self-driving tech provider Embark Trucks. They are working on a program that will equip some of Knight Swift's vehicles with Embark's uh, technology. Uh, so there seems to be, you know, much happening in autonomous trucking uh, just a few months here into 2022.
0: Yeah. And and obviously, those advancements are really good to see. Um, certainly won't replace drivers anytime soon. But did the Siva Kodiak announcement talk about why they were doing the project or any specific goals that they hope to achieve?
3: Yeah, uh, well, there's obviously a lot of interest in the potential for autonomous trucking, and there seems to be an expectation throughout the industry that eventually we'll see widespread adoption of it. No one is really saying when that may occur, of course, uh, but Siva did say in its announcement that they recognized early on the potential for this technology, and that's what's really driving the program as it is, you know, for others that we've reported on. And they also mentioned this as a way of addressing some labor challenges, uh, both by alleviating strain on its existing workforce and addressing labor shortages in trucking uh, in particular, which, of course, ties into some of the issues Ben and Lindsay talked about just a few minutes ago. As you say, um, you know, there's no, this won't be replacing drivers on a a large scale anytime soon, but it's just another way to sort of address some of the supply chain uh, issues and problems we've been seeing.
0: Right. And as we've seen and reported on, too, that the autonomous systems within a lot of these vehicles is actually making the truck driver profession much better. It's making it a much easier job for them with a lot less stress within the cab. Absolutely. Thanks, Victoria. You're welcome. And Ben, the new Postal Reform legislation passed Congress. Can you share some details on what's next with the legislation?
1: Yeah, I'd be glad to. And uh, th- this is uh, some information that we got this week, a little bit more about finances. But of course, um, you know, it really is on the transportation and trucking side because the Postal Service uh, is one of the biggest uh, carriers of uh, you know letters and, and packages in the country. So, uh, But despite that size, one of the topics we've been covering for years uh, is the continued difficulty that the Postal Service has at turning a profit or even just avoiding deep losses. Uh, Now, some of its challenges have to do with the greater market, since fewer people are buying stamps to mail letters nowadays in the age of email, and at the same time, people are ordering uh, a lot more e-commerce parcels online. Uh, The Postal Service is obviously a historically old network, Uh, it's designed to run profitably handling those paper letters, Uh, but it costs a lot more for it to run packages through its system, so uh, those trends are not helpful. But the U.S. Postal Service also struggles uh, with accounting details uh, that make its books really hard to balance. Uh, So this week, we heard the U.S. Senate had passed a bill to address that. Uh, It had also passed the U.S. House recently, and now it's bound for the White House where President Biden is expected to sign it. And this legislation could make that part of the challenge much easier. Uh, Here's how the new law could help. The USPS has struggled since 2006 with a previous directive from Congress, that it had to pre-fund its employee health and retirement sector uh, with a fund 75 years ahead, which is pretty much unheard of in the public sector or for the private sector too, for that matter. Uh, But the act, the new one, would end that requirement and switch postal service employees over to Medicare instead of remaining on the postal benefit plan. Uh, It would also require that the Postal Service continues to deliver mail six days a week to all those 161 million addresses that it reaches uh, daily nationwide. And the Postmaster General, uh, Louis DeJoy, is in favor of this approach. And he said that combined with his 10-year reform plan for the internal operations of the agency, uh, such as improving that parcel handling capability we talked about, that the agency will now be able to self-fund its operations for many decades to come.
0: Well, those sound like easy solutions, so one might speculate that this would mean that all Postal Service's problems will be solved once the bill is signed, but not really, right?
1: If only if that were easy. That's exactly right. Uh, for example, uh, several of the details in DeJoy's 10-year reform plan uh, have gotten some debate and pushback from various parties. One example is that the Postal Service uh, plans to soon replace its huge fleet of mail trucks but its current plan is to do so largely with gas-burning vehicles, which runs against other trends to reduce emissions and carbon footprints. So uh, the Postal Service is under pressure to change that order to more or all electric vehicles. Also, those improvements that we mentioned about uh, improving parcel handling efficiencies um, could allow USPS to handle packages uh, better in terms of finance but they would lead to slower delivery times on average than is currently on their offer. Uh, to balance that out, USPS just two weeks ago um, released a new plan to offer expedited services for e-commerce mailings, uh, but that means they'll increasingly have to compete with the commercial carriers, the UPSs and FedEx and, and, and the regional carriers of the world. Uh, you know, to, to underline some of those future challenges, there's an industry advocacy group called Keep Us Posted uh, that made a similar point. They said that more work is still required. For example, they called for additional action for the Postal Regulatory Commission to set accurate rate caps for mail products. And uh, the Keep Us Posted Group's executive director is a guy named Kevin Yoder. He's a former US congressman himself. And he said that Congress should be prepared to consider additional legislation to keep ensuring that the USPS can prosper in what he called a dynamic economy and respond to challenges in the future. Uh, He pointed out that passing meaningful postal legislation should not be a once in a generation event. Uh, So uh, it sounds like some real progress this week uh, and hopefully, uh, as expected, it'll soon become law, uh, but there's still plenty of improvement to do in the future.
0: Right, well, it took a long time for the postal service to get to this point. I'm sure some additional work would be needed to keep it on an even keel. Thanks, Ben. Glad to do it. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. And check out also the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. And our thanks to Lindsey Trent of the Next Generation of Trucking Association for being with us today. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. And speaking of subscribing, we encourage you to check out our new sister podcast series, Supply Chain in the Fast Lane. It's co-produced by the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals and Supply Chain Quarterly. The initial series looks at the state of logistics. It premiered this past Tuesday with a discussion of the current status of inventories. Next Tuesday, we'll be looking at the rough waters of ocean shipping. Subscribe to Supply Chain in the Fast Lane wherever you get your podcasts. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Bekoff. Discover intra-logistics automation without limits. Beckoff offers complete ultra-compact motion control systems for automated material handling equipment, including a range of space-saving motor and drive solutions for BLDC, MDR, servo technology, and more. Make your move to better motion control by visiting beckhoff.com slash We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, so be sure to join us. Until then... Please stay well and have a great week.